White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made him 100 years ago with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 Welcome back. It's another week of the Razzball Prospect Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Lifshitz of Razzball.com. I'm the Prospector-in-Chief. You know me on Twitter as Prospect Jesus. Tweeting out all the goodness about prospects, writing your sleeper columns, going through all my uh, top 30 list. Lance, my co-host, Lance Prozdowski. How you doing, buddy? Doing very well. It's, it's not been bad, you know? It's it's the new year, so new, new Lance, even though it's pretty much the same Lance. Nothing really too exciting. But <laughs> new year, new Lance. <laughs> new year, new Lance, yeah. You know, the biggest the biggest news this week was that I, I hopped in the Raz 30 League you got running, so got got extended thanks to all the crabs for letting me in, you know? I'm very excited. I, I acquired the Reds from you. Or excuse me, the Mets. I don't even know what team I am. Jeez. Yes. I'm the Mets, and we were we were kicking around some funny names, and I like uh, Mr. Met and Mr. Met.Lance for the Slack channel, some other random stuff, but... You are taking the Reds, Ralph, and I believe at the end of the show, we're going to probably slot in like a little 10-minute discussion about a trade we're going to make. So if anyone wants to hear that before we actually talk about the Reds prospect list, um, feel free to jump to the end of the show, probably around probably like hour 20 mark, I would guess, maybe, maybe hour 10. We really don't know how long we go with those. These Some of these uh, run very long and others don't run long at all. So we'll see. We call, but, that, uh, the, we call it the big market tease. We're going to save the uh, unique special twist of this podcast right until the end. But Exactly. Uh, yeah, I took over the Reds. I'm going to try to bring back the big red machine. Problem is I don't own any of the top Reds prospects. In fact, the top 
at least three, I don't own. I think it's at least three of the top four, if not the top five. I have to double check, but Nick Senzel is not in this team. Uh, Hunter Green obviously hasn't been drafted yet because he's going to be in our upcoming first-year player draft that will happen in February. Uh, and I don't have uh, Tremel uh, either. He belongs to somebody else. So this team was a real mess. The guy that owned this team like pretty much came into the league, stiffed us for the 50 bucks, and uh, decided to just trash the team. Now, the funny thing is I traded for Joey Votto and Duvall, and you saw that there's actually, you know, I think Cody Reed I took in that trade too. Um, but you'll see that there's obviously a couple of reds on your team now that you just inherited for me. Mm-hmm. My, my super built-up Met, uh, Mets. I also want to say this is my once one and done, or actually te- technically two seasons, but really only one in the Raz 30 setup. And uh, I was the only non-real-life playoff team that made the playoffs. So... That's uh, that's a little uh, feather in my cap, little check on my resume. So, <laughs> your your te- you inherited a good team. I want to take some of my dragon eggs, as I like to call them. Though I need to, uh, <laughs> Michelle you know, Myers, I be, yes, the exactly, largest you know, eggs. I am uh, the fa- I am the father of dragons. So I, I got to bring <laughs> them over to the Reds. We're gonna walk through the fire. I'm gonna be the non-racist Marshot. You know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, you left some pretty solid prospects on the team, and that's what the extent of the trade is going to be. Uh, we're going to swap the prospects basically on my team for some major league talent, and in addition for letting me in the league, really. So uh, I'm really excited. It's fun. I, I like first year player drafts a lot, and this league seems really active. But uh, before we get into the Reds list, and before we do that at the end of the show, I did want to bring up an interesting uh, Jim Callis article on MLB.com that caught my eye, I believe, on Twitter, and I think I shot one of the notes to Ralph earlier in the week. And we always like kind of bringing up stuff like this just to talk through. Um, I felt like there was a bit of cheating on this list. So my gist of the article is that they Callis interviewed, uh, I think about 20-ish or maybe a little bit more, whatever responses he got, major league front offices on number one, who's the top prospect in baseball, and number two is the top pitching prospect in baseball. And the responses, obviously, for both were the majority Otani, but the interesting part is the other pieces that teams mentioned. So for the overall prospect, you have 10 people who responded Otani, eight who responded Acuna from the Braves, one who responded, Vladdy Jr., one with Eloy Jimenez, one with Fernando Tatis Jr., and one with Forrest Whitley. That's for overall prospect, okay? And then when you jump to the pitching side specifically, 16 said Shohei Otani, three said Forrest Whitley, one said Walker Bueller, one with Alex Reyes, and one with Sixto Sanchez. So, Ralph, I found it most interesting, not the fact that was Otani was in here. Like, I'm, at, I'm doing my top 100, and I tend to exclude him. I'm going to exclude him just because... I feel like it's partially unfair and I want to keep the the substance of the prospect around as opposed to a guy who played in MPB for a while. But the interesting thing to me on this article is is the individuals who pick non-Otani people and especially these kind of one-off prospects like Vladdy Jr. You know, Forrest Whitley is the top prospect in baseball is extremely, extremely high praise. And it's even more high praise that three people decided to go Whitley and then you have Bueller, Reyes, and Sixto Sanchez. Uh, I'm going to pass it to you, Ralph, for a sec. I was interested if you thought of any other names that weren't mentioned that you think may, might have come up if Otani was excluded from this on, say, an answer sheet. Um, I, I thought Mitch Keller was one, maybe on the pitching side that could pop up. There's probably a couple other guys, too. I'm sure a lot of people can think of Michelle Baez, as we were just talking about. I wouldn't be shocked if someone thinks he's the best pitching prospect in baseball. But also relatively surprising that Kopech isn't on here, who's a guy I believe you and me both have. So is that the guy you would have thought of, Ralph? That's the name that stuck out to me the most. Um, and and I, I would think, you know... Now I get that. I guess from maybe from a fantasy perspective, he's a little bit more exciting. Now was was Honeywell on this as well? I no, don't think, he wasn't. See, and and that one surprised me because 
I think from a, a, a pure pitching perspective, in terms of a guy that's very advanced, has good feel for his pitches, um, you know, he's got a, 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 a velocity in the fastball, can change speeds, can manipulate all of his pitches, and has a varied repertoire and really sort of understands it. Uh, and I think, you know, mechanically, probably will be able to sustain a lot of innings over the course of his career and hasn't really had any serious, you know, arm or shoulder injuries. I'm shocked that he's not on there. I wonder if he would maybe pop up if Otani was excluded. Um, I think that's, I think that's kind of cheap. And I, you know what I would actually, at this moment, I would say I would rather own Ronald Acuna, uh, than own Otani. Wow. Um, Interesting. I don't know from a real life perspective, if I'm like a, a real owner, if that's sure, necessarily sure. the case, cause I think there's, you know, all the peripheral stuff that comes with Otani being on your team, you know, the marketing side of things, the amount of money you can make ticket sales, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Not that I don't think Akuna will be, you know, a fabulous player. I think he will be, but from a fantasy perspective, I don't know if I like the Otani risk right now. And the closer and closer I get to draft season, the more conservative my feelings on Otani are, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if I necessarily want to get involved in it the elbow injury definitely, definitely dampered a little bit of that. I'm not, I'm not going to deny that, but uh, to answer your original question is I got off on an Otani tangent here. I'm going to say Brett Honeywell, Brett Honeywell is the guy that uh, to me definitely should, should be uh, in, at least in the mix in terms of top pitching prospect. I, I can easily see him being better than Forrest Whitley. Ultimately mm-hmm. though, yeah. Whitley has obviously great tools. He's young, you know, it got so far in terms of his first full season, uh, you know, obviously pitching well in double a, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I enjoy I enjoy articles like this too. That even if the answers maybe aren't associated with a specific team, so you don't find out who exactly is picking Fernando Tatis Jr. I'm sure you can just associate it with whatever team. So any guy from the Astros front office might have been like it's it's Whitley, and then a guy from the Padres front office might have said it's Tatis. But I like thinking outside of the box there a little bit. Just maybe one of these players came off on another team. You know, you can even look. So Whitley got three votes on the pitching side. So I wonder, you know, if that's like a Corpus Christi divisional front office guy who's seen him there yeah, and exactly. stuff like that. Like that's what I'm thinking along those lines. But yeah, it was interesting. I enjoy stuff like this just to get the the front office perspective on prospects because I don't think you see it too too much. But uh, um, one guy that was not on that that is in the Reds' top prospect list is both Nick Senzel and Hunter Green and Taylor Trammell. So uh, a lot of guys there. This is the trio of elite talent that we have at the top of the Red system as we now dive into the Reds' prospect list here. Um, I mean, top to bottom here, Ralph, we always look at your rankings and we kind of walk through them because I really like doing that. You do a great job with them. And I like bringing up my own perspective. And sometimes I often go, you know, I like this guy too, maybe three or so. But honestly, like one through eight-ish on this list, I can't really disagree with you. And I've looked at some other sites too, and they're all relatively similar. I think that a lot of people agree on the tiering of these prospects. Senzel one, Trammell two, Hunter Green three. I know we were just talking pre-air that there are some people who would jump up Hunter Green to two and probably Trammell down. So... I guess that's perfectly fine argument if you want to maybe invest a little bit more. I personally see it as green three for the fantasy aspect just because I think the road is much longer for green, even though I absolutely love him as we'll dive in. But let's start off with another individual who I absolutely love overall. It's Nick Senzel. I've dug into him a lot last week. I was up late at night and I was watching some Senzel tape and I was texting Ralph that uh, he doesn't use much of his lower body in his swing. And then I looked at his slug and it's over 500 and I just kind of fell in love with it overall. And I started wanting to do some comps in my head with him. And purely aesthetically, the comp I came up with, if you watch his swing side by side with Chris Bryant, it's relatively similar in the fact that I think that Sinzel can engage his lower half how Bryant does and possibly kick that power up even more. But 
man, he slugged 560, I believe it was, in double A with basically no lower half. It's a small stride, and it's something that I'm just enamored with. Like, I, I really, really like Senzel, and I, I boosted him on my top 100 prospect list. As I mentioned, I'm working on that a little bit. I think I have him up around five right now, so he's hanging right near those guys like Aloy, uh, Vladdy Jr., um, and Tatis and stuff. So he's right in that window for me. Really, really high floor for fantasy, in my opinion. He's a guy that I'm probably going to reach out in the Raz 30 League to the owner and try to get a price on him and just see where it is. It's kicking around and see if I can get him to some extent because I do like him a lot for fantasy, particularly because I think there's a very nice blend of power um he's gonna stick at third base he's got the arm to stay there i really really like him overall ralph um your top 100 prospect list i don't remember where you had him i think you had him a six ish um do you see any argument for him to be kind of a top four guy sitting with tatis and etc that top four tier that i know we talk about a lot yeah i i have him uh six and i think that you know from one through six you could probably make an argument for any of them obviously i think akuna is you know Mm -hmm. far and away the best guy i have vladdy you know, Vladdy Jr. number two, Eloy number three. Um, I think that if you swapped uh, Nick Senzel, my six, with my number four, which is Victor Robles, I'd, I'd be completely fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even him with my five, which is Fernando Tatis Jr. So, yeah, I, I, I think Senzel might be the safest dynasty prospect going at this point. You know, um, he's going to have a job. The opportunity that he could potentially get some reps at second base or shortstop, obviously, with the emergence of Eugenio Suarez. Did I say his first name right? Is it Eugenio? I think it's Eugenio. Eugenio? Eugenio, Eugenio Suarez. All right. Yeah. Eugenio. <laughs> I'm going to go with what you say, all right? Um, but I think when you look at the profile, um, it's incredibly safe. When you look at the fact that he was a top 10 picked, you know, first baseman in the draft. I mean, excuse me, third baseman in the draft. I'm already already calling him a first baseman. I don't know. My mind is elsewhere for some strange reason. Uh, But guys that have gone in in, or fit in that bucket, you know, over the last 10 years or 12 years or so are Chris Bryant, Anthony Rendon, Evan Longoria, Ryan Zimmerman, Ryan Braun. Uh, The bad ones would be Alex Gordon, Pedro Alvarez, and then Colin Moran. And I I think that um, the only guy that in the bad bucket that maybe some people thought was as safe as Senzel would be Alex Gordon. And he had a pretty nice major league career and he sort of eventually found himself. Now mm-hmm. he didn't turn out to be a superstar and we would all be disappointed if that's what Nick Senzel turns into. But I think that he's uh, more of, of the former than the latter uh, personally. So um, yeah, I, I think that he's, he's probably comparable in terms of the swing to Bryant. I understand that he doesn't have the, the raw power no. that Chris Bryant mm-hmm. has, um, but he does have, probably a better hit tool. I know that baseball America put a seven or a 70 on it. I would agree with that. Um, you see 50 to 60 raw power. Um, some people split the difference for 55. It, it, it's probably 60 cause he can get to it. You know, I mean, you look at the slugging percentages, what he's done across every single level. Uh, he was still good in the Florida state league, which is a tough place to play. I always like to make that point because it really does depress home run totals as well as slugging totals. Um, for anybody just because of the nature of the parks and a bunch of different factors. Um, and then I think the other thing with Senzel is he runs well. I mean, he's not incredibly fast, but he's really instinctual on the base base path. When you do see some of the highlight films, you know, he reads pictures well, and he's a guy that I was able to watch a decent amount of games of, uh, with the, the MILB ticket this year. And he's a guy that when you watch him, I think I watched him for a week or so in July, right after he got 
promoted to double A, or maybe it was early August. It was before he went down with Vertigo. And uh, he's a guy that just like, he just plays hard, you know, like he doesn't take any plays off. Um, I know this is kind of like cliche to say, but he is sort of your prototypical, like best guy in the field. And he's your leader, you know? So I think some of those intangibles, um, when you really know who Nick Senzel is and you study him uh, and, you, and you sort of get under the hood, it makes him so much safer. I think this guy is, is a great bet. If you really are like risk averse, he may have less risk than anybody in the top 10, um, just about any prospect in baseball. But uh, there's just a lot of factors. The bat's great. And, you know, ultimately he may have multi-position eligibility in his first couple of years if he gets some time at second and even some time at short and third. I mean, that would be unbelievable if he could get 10 games at each of those spots and let's say be up by late May, early June. Um, he could be very redraft relevant as well. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's a good point. Sneaky on that. And yeah, I believe he was taking reps. I think you mentioned this in your prospect list at short and at second, which is interesting to me. I actually didn't know that until I read your list, Ralph. But I do see him at third base long term. And I think that to some extent, the speed might deteriorate. It's 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 nice speed, though. It's it's non-zero. It's one of those things you probably end up in that kind of seven to ten ish bags. I don't think he's, he was too efficient in the minors with it, but I'm not too concerned with that overall. I'd really just like the bat. And it's one of those things where I like speculating on guys if you put them in the major leagues right now, how do they react? You know, and if you jump one down on this list to to Trammell, you put him in the major leagues, he's going to K a lot more than he is right now. You put Sinzel in the major leagues right now, I honestly think he's about a 280 hitter, and I have yeah. no problem saying that. And I, I think totally at his peak, he that. ends up over 300. Like this is a very very good hitter overall. I don't see really any issues long term with him. Um, I expect him. I would love if he get multi, if he gets multi position eligibility in fantasy league. That's just that's Christmas or in July, literally, I think if that happens. So I'd be very, very impressed if that could happen, but <laughs> you never know. I, I, we got to see what they do. Santa Senzel. Santa Senzel. Yeah. But uh, um, I think that might be all for Senzel. I'm not sure if we have too much more on that. I think we're both very, very high in him. Top 10 legit, very high floor as we're saying. And I think it's a nice blend of everything. Um, going down to Trammell though. It's a little bit more on the projection side. Overall, he's a 20 year old at a ball, 21% striker rate, 12% walk rate slash 281, 368, 450. Uh, very, very fast. It was a beautiful power-speed combo. He was 41 for 53, I believe, on the bags with 13 home runs. In his final two months, actually, if you game-log him up on Fangrass, which I was most impressed with that I liked overall with the improvement, I believe he's one of the higher flyers this year on top 100 lists. I'm sure he's going to be inflating on a ton of them. Um, final two months of the season for him, his walk rate went up to 14%, and his K rate went down to 19%, which is about a 2% flip in both directions from the natural... Uh, midline throughout the season for him and I love that overall I was very very happy to see that I really like guys who've played a good amount through a season and then could go into July and improve next to the competition that shows me number one they're probably conditioned a little bit better than most guys they probably got lucky on the injury side of things which is something you can't knock other guys for but Tremel is interesting it's one of those things where you get really good grades on his speed and then you kind of look at the bat and I see a little bit more power in there overall than I think even some others see I know a lot a lot of people are projecting out the power I see a lot more power in there and over time I think he slows down maybe a little bit but that power can buoy him enough to become a very very relevant prospect um I believe I have him right around that 50 overall window on my top 100 right now I'm not sure if you have him higher Ralph um how much risk do you see overall with him you know, I, I think the thing with with Trammell that it is kind of risky is we haven't seen him do it above, you know, low A or full season A ball, however you like to sure, break sure. that break that level down. Um, now, that's age appropriate. And he was very good 
Uh, I think when you look at somebody, I know like in the, the Baseball America podcast, they had sort of compared him with somebody like Leody Tavares, who's always very highly rated on top 100 lists. And Trammell, I think other than outside of maybe myself and some other people that have sort of caught on, uh, I know help has always been very high on him. Uh, I know, you know, baseball farmer, who's another guy that follows us on mm-hmm. Twitter, uh, you know, as an avid listener, he's very high in Trammell. I think he might have Trammell in his top 10. I mean, he loves him. Wow. Um, I had him 16th overall. And I, I think that that was pretty aggressive um, in terms of his risk. I think the biggest issue with him could be the swing and miss. The other part of it is he could sort of grow out of speed. I, I, I think it might be overstated, but I know that it is something that you hear from scouts on him that he could become more of a big body guy and become more of like a power hitter and sort of then where do you, where does it leave you? Uh, the other thing is there's some risk in the defensive profile yeah, and yeah, that he's that. not a, a center field type. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a guy like, you know, we'll talk about a little bit later who has some good tools. The hit tool is not nearly as good, uh, but the defense is great. And that's Jose Siri. And, uh, you know, that's a guy that could potentially get major league reps, maybe even earlier if they progress at the same level for the next few years. And, uh, you know, he's majorly ready because of the glove and the glove will sometimes get you into the lineup. Tremel doesn't have a very good arm, which is kind of surprising. Uh, I guess that's why he was a running back and not a quarterback. Uh, <laughs> this guy was like a blue chip. I mean, I think he was a Georgia Tech commit for football. I mean, he was a legitimate, you know, SEC, ACC sort of level running back prospect in the state of Georgia that says a lot. You know, went baseball. The Reds, as an organization, have done a really good job of sort of plucking these guys out of the draft. Jeter Downs is another unbelievable yeah, athlete they plucked like this year. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, and there's some others as well, but the thing with Tramel ultimately that I like power, speed, the body, uh, the athletic profile, the fact that he's committing to baseball full time for the first time and has really sort of taken to it much better approach than we thought across a couple of years now, even out of the draft. And then, you know, just that carry through and only progressed, uh, the pitch recognition recognition is further advanced than we thought it was. You see it on tape, uh, and you hear it from scouts. And the other thing is, um, I think the power is a little bit better than we thought it might be initially, especially for a guy that's as young as he is. He can only get stronger. He's only going to develop more power. If there's maybe a three to four to five year window uh, where he can be a 25 homer guy and a 25 steel guy in that ballpark and he's still with the Reds, my God. Oh, my God. The problem is going to become is, you know, what do you do with some of these other outfielders that are going to be, uh, you know, still arbitration eligible are going to be, you know, coming up in the system at the same time. I don't know if they do with Winker. You know, I don't know if Billy Hamilton eventually gets moved as his core starts to come up. Uh, but I think Tramel might be the sort of special offensive talent that they'll have to make some room for him. I agree. Yeah. And I think that you'll hear the five tool word tossed around with him, but I do think it's more four tool just because of the defensive side. But for fantasy, it doesn't matter. Um, his fantasy, swing, it's five, five yeah, or six exactly. five consider, like, on base percentage because he's going to be a top of the order sort mm-hmm. of guy. So yeah. I think he's a five tool for fantasy. And that's funny when I write stuff like that, I'm not talking about his arm or his glove because yeah. I, don't, I don't give a shit about that. I, <laughs> <laughs> I often, yeah, the five tool, the five tool versus five category. He's a five category contributor. I think it's a very good way to put it. Um, his swing is interesting too. I, I watched some tape on him as I do. I feel like I mentioned that phrase. I watched some tape, quote unquote, for probably almost every single guy that's on this list. I always, I always like digging into the tape. He's got a pretty fluid stance overall. I like him. And the thing that I often looked at with guys like this is I watch them before I really dig into the stats and see what they're looking at as far as K rate walk rate goes. I know most of these guys in the top five on every list I have a general impression of, but 
not necessarily have I seen them slowed down from different angles, which I love doing. And with Trammell, reminded me a little bit of Elvis Andrews, actually, and his flow of his hands. Um, I was most impressed with the fact, the present state of his stats, given what I saw in a lot of his hands. It's not really a hand pump that he does. Um, it's kind of more of a load and his weight actually goes a little bit further back as he comes forward and I'm interested overall to see if the Reds tinker with his hands at all and bring out that power even more as we said he had about 13 home runs I think 13 home runs and 571 plate appearances so that's something that I, I think they can easily get to 20 and 500 in as soon as next season with a little bit of tinkering and he's one of those guys that I, I can't wait to compare back in a year and a half to two years to see what they've done with him overall just because I really like the present state of the stats, as I just said, and and the fact that they can ticker with him probably a little bit more and clean up some of his pre-pitch rhythm and stuff is awesome to me. I'm a big fan of Trammell overall. Um, Hunter Green, Ralph. This is a guy who I'm going to coin. I was talking to Jason Panini. I don't know if you know him. He actually was out in the Arizona League uh, doing some instruct work. He he knows Kuselek pretty well. Chris Kuselek, the scout, raved about him when we talked the other day. And I told him that Hunter Green, if there was ever a projectable prospect that I buy into immediately just because of the athleticism. I think that it's Hunter Green. Athleticism-wise, Hunter Green, to me, is absolutely off the charts. He's basically a shortstop pitching that I know he can't hit, et cetera. I know he's a one-way player. He's, he's a pitcher, like that's what we kind of assume right now. But the athleticism on the mound just absolutely blows me away and what he can do. I absolutely am in love with his mechanics. I know that there's been some rumors he has a little bit of arm drag. and The fastball spin rate might not be the best thing in the world, which probably makes me already kind of think about what they've done with some guys like uh, Luis Castillo at the major league level where the fastball was relatively straight and hittable and they add in the two-seamer and elevate that fastball and it makes the fastball that straight elevated a little bit better which I'm very interested to see and very very long term what they do with Green and the thing with Green you gotta if you're investing him in in him with a first-year player draft coming up you have to assume number one they're gonna work in him for a while this isn't like a two three-year project this is like a four five-year project this kid's young he's really really talented and they want to focus on him as a pitcher. And I'm interested to see what exactly they do with him because the mechanics are so clean right now to me overall. And I, I just am in love with him athleticism-wise. But the biggest thing that I had problems with on my list ranking him, Ralph, was that it's really hard in fantasy to judge a guy like this and grant him health and grant him a lot of other things that he's going to need to get to an elite level. But as I said, if there's anyone to do it, there's any 19-year-old prospect to a guy to eventually turn into a pitcher and become an ace to me it's hunter green can you confirm or deny my love for hunter green ralph i can uh definitely confirm your love for hunter green and (laughs) and i'll say this i think you know we don't really know what he is uh as a professional pitcher yet and i know that some people got a little bit you know scared off by what he did in his pro debut and some of the things that they heard were the reports yeah in instructs and things like that but i will say when you watch him on tape this guy has easy velocity. Oh yeah. I mean, he absolutely gets to the velocity, uh, on a regular basis, very easily. That comes from the athleticism. Uh, he's got kind of a fun delivery as well. Um, and I I think the other thing that you you see with him is he really has to sort of improve that slider change up. And I've heard some reports that he actually has two breaking balls that he also has a curve, but, uh, I've also seen reports saying that he only has three pitches. So yeah. it's one of those things that like, it depends on what scouting report you want to believe. Um, but I think it's all there. It's just a matter of him developing his secondaries. And I just think when you compare him with someone like, you know, Mackenzie Gore, who was the other, obviously top um, high school arm prep arm in that class being the top lefty where, you know, he was a top righty. Um, he, he's further along. I mean, Gore is further along with his feel, his command, his control and uh, his mastery of his secondaries. 
you know, the thing with green is he's a, a big personality. Um, he's a fun personality. He's really exciting. He's going to miss a lot of bats and he has that unbelievable fastball. And like I said, it's hundred mile, mile an hour velocity that comes naturally. Now I will say that there's some risk with that profile high school righty that throws hundred miles an hour coming out of the draft. There have not been a lot of success stories with that bucket, that profile. So there has to, I think that has to be said. Now I think that he's much better than Riley Pint and Tyler Kolick. I really did like Riley Pint though. Um, and I don't know if that was organizational or what, but he certainly wasn't what I even thought he would be, uh, in, you know, low a, uh, you know, with the Rockies, I didn't even, you know, I, I didn't love the, the, the future, you know, prospects of him, uh, pitching in Coors, but I didn't think he'd be this bad. And we know how bad Tyler Kolick was and he lost that velocity. So hopefully it doesn't happen with Hunter green. I think he's a much higher caliber prospect. I think the thing that about his profile, it's probably a little bit less risky from a real life standpoint is if the pitching does bust, the pitching does uh, fall back and he doesn't have sort of the ability to, to really re I guess, sharpen up those those secondary pitches, the breaking ball, the change up. Um, He could always sort of go the short, the shortstop route where he would have been at least a, a top, you know, two to three round pick just as a power hitting shortstop. So I think he sort of has it all going for him though, as a pitcher, um, I'm not too worried about it. I did want to bring up sort of the risk profile with green, but ultimately, I mean, this kid is phenomenal and, you know, easily two years from now, we could be talking about one of the most exciting pitching prospects in baseball, potentially a guy who legitimately could be a number one fantasy prospect as a pitcher. And that's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. I agree. I want to do two quick comments on him quick that you brought up that I find very interesting. One was the Compton Gore. So the interesting thing I want to see going forward on a lot of these drafts is as we get more guys that are pure two-way guys coming out of the draft, like McKay and Green, is wondering, you know, it's not you didn't necessarily knock Hunter Green for not being as developed as Gore, but you also I think that you also have to take the perspective of the fact that Green played short and pitched through his high school career. What Gore only pitched, I believe, for the most part. I could be wrong. Maybe he played some positionally a little bit earlier, but Gore was a pitcher. He was a pitcher, and he developed as a pitcher. Green was one of these guys where he, out of the draft immediately, there was still debate as to whether he was a pitcher or he was a hitter. For me, it's interesting because I'm interested to see how often we don't knock guys, but we we put it as like a, a small dot on the profile to take a look at later on. It's like these guys overall, like Green, we're going to have to organizationally, and I'm not, I don't know why I'm saying we, I'm not in any organization, but front office, um, it's one of those things where you have to look at a guy like this, like Green, who isn't as developed and project him forward and see how well and quickly you can develop him. And that speaks volumes to me about Green overall is the fact that they were willing to go this high with Hunter Green. And they're looking at a guy like Gore that I know went before him that the pot, maybe the Reds would have taken, but Gore developed as a pitcher and you kind of see him as a pitcher. They took Hunter Green with the faith. I believe the Reds knew right off the bat that they wanted him as a pitcher and they had to develop him as a pitcher. And the fact that he was rawer than Gore and they saw this and they were this confident to take him is amazing to me. I love that. And the other quick thing I'll mention very briefly is the fact that I believe his arm care program in high school was very, very, very good. He didn't throw, I don't think, over 85-ish, 90 pitches from what I was reading. I know they do it a little blow up in Sports Illustrated a while ago on him. So if there's any, like I know high school pitchers bust all the time, like Pint and Polek and these arms are just terrifying that he's throwing this hard. But if there's ever a guy that you want to knock that off, just chisel a little of the risk off because he had such a good arm care program, I'd say it's Hunter Green. So might just be a little bit of my love, but Hunter Green is a guy that I, I'm very, very excited to see a little bit more of a sample of. Uh, Ralph, tell me about Rotoware, man. 
Yeah, I was going to say, and the other thing with Hunter Green is that his dad is a high-profile Hollywood uh, detective for the stars. Yeah, apparently, he's like Ray Donovan. I always like to bring that up now. Once I found that out, I thought it was so intriguing. I was like, that should need, that needs to be brought up every single time you bring up Hunter Green. It's like when you bring up Matt Manning, you have to mention that his dad played professional basketball. You know, there's just certain like buttons that like, you just you just have to go mm-hmm. with that. So, um, yeah, rotoware.com. Kenny Cashman. Kenneth Cashman, he's making a crab t-shirt. I don't know if, if you realize that. So you're going to have to grab one of those now that you're in the Raz 30. I oh, think you I, realize I saw. that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, Kenny Cashman, rotoware.com. Uh, Rotoware is the finest in fantasy baseball, fantasy football, fantasy anything t-shirts. Uh, Kenny has his finger on the pulse. Great designs. He does this as a job. He's a you know a professional designer for Fortune 500 companies. Uh, you know, international nonprofit organizations. And he applies that to his passion, which is fantasy sports, fantasy baseball in particular. He's also in the RAS 30. He's the Rockies. He's in there with the crabs. He's mixing it up. He's an excellent Roto player. So he, he, he lives the life and he makes the products. He's a creative type like Lance and myself. He's giving something back to the world. God's work, making something out of nothing. Go to rotoware.com, put in the promo code SAGNOF to get 20% off all of your purchases. Check out some of his new designs. I think he's going to be releasing some uh, one at a time over the next couple of weeks or month or two. So be on the lookout for that. Also, follow him on Twitter because he's always giving away uh, T-shirts and different giveaways. And uh, I think Lance could probably tell you about his experience with Rotoware as oh, well. It's fantastic as always. I, I believe everyone's that has ever interacted with Kenny or Rotoware has been a fantastic experience. Sagnof is our promo code. I believe it's twenty percent off. S A G N O F. Definitely plug that in. Grab yourself a T-shirt. I'm really excited for these crab shirts. I don't really know what he's gonna do, but I've never been disappointed by a Kenny Cashman design, so my expectations are, are pretty high. So I'm stoked. But these are limited edition, from my understanding. So they are. They're, they're not gonna be one of those things that's kicked around on his site. So. Unless I, I people love really want them. If we have listeners and they're and they're really into the, yeah. the crab the, the crab t shirt, we'll get you in on the order. Oh so, yeah, we'll get you uh, on it. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up in the uh, the Razball uh, comments section, or you know wherever else you might find me. Yell somewhere. Just drive into the middle of Main Street in Worcester and just be like Ralph. I need a, <laughs> I need a t shirt. I'll figure it out. So rotoware.com, Kenny Cashman. Let's keep moving on to the Reds. I got to talk more about my boys. Your boys here. You get, yes. Do you have Do you have Molly on that team, Tyler Molly? I do. I do believe uh, I have. Uh, right. I have Tyler Molly. I like to call him Tyler Molly because if it's Molly, I'm going to be very upset. But I'm going to go with Tyler Molly because it reminds me of the drug Molly that uh, people used to do back when I was in college. Maybe the young <laughs> kids are still doing it, getting lit when they go to Coachella. I don't know. I don't know, Lance. You'd have to oh tell me. Oh my god, that. I'm gonna just get on no comment on all of that. <laughs> all right, excellent, excellent. But. Uh, Molly's more of like a, a, a control righty. Um, good, good, you know, uh, off-speed pitch, really nice changeup. And he's got feel for everything that he throws. I, I will say that the fastball gets undersold a little bit. Um, he does have some giddy up on that. He can get it up to 95, 96. Uh, the slider is pretty good. I think that's his best secondary. Um, and he had sort of a, a, a noteworthy season. You know, the stats were great. 144 in the third innings, 2.06 ERA, which I believe must have been the top, the bottom three in terms of ERAs for starters with there with uh, Rogelio uh, Armenterios and uh, John Duplantier. Uh, 0.96 whip, um, 138 Ks. He's not a guy that's going to strike out eight per nine, but I think that uh, maybe you're hoping for sort of a, a Kyle Hendricks kind of a ceiling. And uh, 
I don't think that'd be so bad for the Reds at this point. They just want to get some sort of mid rotation, good innings guys that can have ERAs below four. And this is an organization that if they can get three or four of those guys. They can compete very quickly. And I think that Molly sort of gives them that. Um, he's not the most exciting arm for fantasy, but I think if you're in a deeper format and you're looking for somebody with some upside for this season, he's a decent guy to maybe take a chance on. And if you're in dynasties, I think he's somebody that probably goes from like round 19 to like 25, somewhere in that range, depending upon how sort of uh, pitching dependent and the number of teams that you have. Oh, exactly. I agree with that 100%. I think that he's a very interesting case. Uh, I like his little back leg drive that he's got going. I, I like that his hands come up pretty high, his glove hand, and he pulls through well. Um, the slider actually was one of the things I was interested in because it graded out pretty well on pitch values on Fangrass. But from what I saw report-wise and, and looks at the pitch, they basically said it was a non-factor. So I'm not exactly sure if that's just a misgrading or just he's got a better feel for it in a, in a shorter amount of time, maybe change the grip or something like that. So I'm interested to see how that goes forward. But as you mentioned, the changeup is the best pitch. The thing I love about him, if you're talking fantasy wise, is that he's an absolute workhorse. He's thrown 150 innings each of the last three seasons. I believe that is something that is extremely underrated. I think on a lot of fantasy teams and a lot of teams in general, from, from a front office standpoint, if you could have a guy end up being a four or a three who consistently throws over 140, 150 every year, you are on cloud nine. That's fantastic. That's great return on your value to get a guy like this who I don't believe was ever touted as a top 40-ish, 50-ish guy, but at the end of the day can pitch at the major level, can pitch effectively. I know a lot of people might, might be deterred by the uh, the high FIP of four and then the ex-FIP because he, he pitched 20 innings in the major league level, walked a pretty good amount, didn't really give up any home runs, and if you apply just kind of a league average home run rate as ex-FIP does, uh, it inflates a bit. So there's concerns around that, but again, it's a small sample. The concern I have is obviously on the upside portion of things, and that has to tie back to the strikeout rate because he touched three levels this year, double-A, triple-A, and he went to the majors, obviously. And the strikeout rate kind of slowly ticked down at each level. So I'm interested in your thoughts, Ralph, on it, whether you think he was rushed to some extent. Because I wouldn't say he was rushed, but it seems like what the stats are telling us that he might have been, even though he's 23. Was this a guy that they just want to give reps at the major league level? Or is this kind of a piece that maybe they should have kept in triple a and let him groom himself a little more instead of only 60 innings. I think they wanted to challenge him. And at this point they have the ability to do that. Um, you know, the problem is the reds have had such a rough history with bringing along pitching prospects. And, uh, they've had a lot of these sort of mid rotation guys. Now I think the thing that's different about him versus maybe Stevenson and Reed and some of these other guys that have busted Finnegan, now, first off, two of the three of those guys I just mentioned weren't necessarily Reds prospects. They were really Royals prospects that they were then <laughs> acquired true. when they were pretty much major league ready. So maybe that's that's bad to put him on that. But, you know, Amir Garrett, we can go through. We know a lot of these guys at this point, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing with him is I don't think he was ever sort of built up until the numbers were phenomenal. And, you know, depending upon who you read, I know that, like, baseball perspectives really did like the slider. But they didn't like the changeup. But I feel like baseball perspective doesn't like anybody's changeup unless it's like a breaking ball changeup. Maybe well. I'm maybe I'm crazy about that. I just I feel like they they never really give good. But I, I think he's got feel for it, and that's really all that matters. The other thing I'm I'm a little bit shaky with him on is the ballpark. I think he's going to get beat up from time to time. He's got good control that he throws strikes. But I don't think he always hits his spot specifically. I think his command is a little bit off. I think he's more control than command. Um, so I think it limits the upside ultimately. And I think it makes him maybe a little bit risky this year. He's still a rookie, a rookie pitcher, uh, in a hitter's park. Um, but who knows, maybe, maybe he's, uh, maybe he's able to figure it out. He certainly did this year in double a, 
Uh, and, you know, he's he's not garbage. He's, he's no. certainly like a, a decent major league starter. He gets the mid-rotation tag. But I, I, I just don't like to write off these guys that show sort of that pitching acumen. They show they, they have feel, they have understanding of how to mix their pitches and sequence things. And they have feel for a couple different pitches and they still have velocity. I feel like this is a guy that maybe there's just small tweaks and all of a sudden things really trend up. You know, I think sort of the chassis is there if they're able to sort of supercharge the engine. Yeah, I, I don't like know that. If they can. An interesting analogy, Ralph. I like the I like that there <laughs> metaphor analogy. <laughs> One or the other. So, we're writers that are under the shit. Jesus Christ, <laughs> Molly's interesting. Uh, going to the hitters park that is Great American though. A guy that I've actually heard a bit of buzz around in redraft leaves. That I, I feel like a lot of these lists we don't get into too many redraft cries. But Jesse Winker is a guy sure. who I've actually heard a bit of buzz around, and I'm interested overall in just trying to figure out. What exactly is in his bat? He hit a pretty good amount of home runs. The, the home run to fly ball was pretty high, obviously, for him to hit, I think, six or seven in the amount of games he played. Um, the ISO was pretty good. The bat wasn't crazy high, probably because of the home runs. I thought his ground ball rate was a little bit high from the batted ball data. I know we dug into that a little bit on the last show. Batted ball data, some of the White Sox guys. Winker overall, though, I think he's going in that kind of 200 to 300-ish probably window. He's a really, really interesting kind of fifth, sixth outfielder you could pick up. Um how much do you like Winker going in for redrafts leagues specifically, Ralph, in 2018? You know, I, I don't mind him as sort of like a, a 22nd, 23rd round sort of sleeper guy to take. Like, I think I would take a shot in him the same way I took a shot in like Aaron Judge a lot this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's all that similar or dissimilar or I did with like Jackie Bradley Jr. a couple of years ago. Um, and he's a guy that I, I will take a shot on now. I think the reason I like him is I think that his floor is very high due to the approach. You know, he can get on base. It's just a matter of, you know, that reds outfield is a little bit crowded at this point. You have Hamilton, you have Shebler, you have Duvall. I know Duvall's sort of fallen out of favor, especially with fantasy managers, but this guy still hit, you know, a good amount, a good amount of homers last year, still drove in a lot of runs. Um, So I just don't know how, Winker is going to fit in and if ultimately he's going to end up as like a, a platoon guy. And I think that's totally possible, but this is a guy that, you know, across several levels has always maintained like 13% plus walk rates. K rates. He's usually able to, to keep down below, you know, let's say 20% though. Recently it's been more like 13% the last couple of years in AAA, and that's over like, you know, 190, 200 games. Um, and he's always going to be able to hit for power. He's a guy that's going to have like uh, like 85% like contact rates. In fact, I want to check it was 84 last year in his in his major league uh, debut. Mm-hmm. 6.8% swing strike rate. So there's like there's a really high floor with this guy. I guess the question is like, can he take advantage of Great America Ballpark? Like, you know, does he have enough feel in his bat that he could tap into sort of that pull side power? and, and, and really utilize, um, the ballpark to the fullest extent. Now, you know, he's still only a a 30%, 35% fly ball guy. He hits a lot of ground balls, you know, for a guy that doesn't have a ton of speed. Um, but maybe he can tap into a few more fly balls and it's not like he doesn't hit any fly balls and he does make some decent contact. I mean, his hard was about 35%, 35 35.7%. It's almost 36%. That's pretty good. So, 
I think it's all there. I think that potentially Winker could be a guy that we got sort of some prospect fatigue on. He was 24 and the power maybe took a couple years to come back, but I still would say he's more like a 19 to uh, 15 to 19 homer guy with like a good batting average. And I think he's like 25 homer guy. So that's sort of my take on Winker. What, what do you think in terms of what, what would you put down as like a projected line for 2018 for Winker? If he sees 500 at bats, sees 500, I could see in that 270 to 280 window. I like that kind of 18-ish to 19 home run window, too, with a decent amount of RBIs and some runs, really no bags, but a really good approach, as you're saying. So he's probably a little bit more valuable in points leagues. Yeah, I, I agree with the par- prospect fatigue. I think that's a good word, and I think one of the main reasons why is that he repeated AAA. Whenever you see a guy repeat a level like that for an extended period of time, everyone gets a little bit concerned as to what's going on developmentally with him. And you also mentioned another really good point there, Ralph, that he might platoon. And he had really, really bad splits, which is something I actually didn't expect overall because of the approach. Generally, when you see really good approach guys lists like this, they've usually figured it out versus both handedness of pitchers. Pretty, pretty bad versus left-handed pitchers. Uh, 25 at-bats, 120 average, no home runs. All seven from last year came from the right side. He struck out four times, walked once, so it's a small sample. Put a lot of balls in play. Probably got babbipped a little bit. But um, as you're saying, I could see kind of a platoonish with Duvall. But Duvall, the weird side of it is that I'm, I'm a little bit worried that Winker might even get the short side of it just because Duvall's pretty good overall as a player versus lefties and righties, whereas Winker is just probably can only really sit in against righties. So it's not really the short side of the platoon. It's just more of a matter of where exactly in this platoon field does he go. He'd benefit a lot if Hamilton was traded, I think, because that kind of would somehow slot him in probably to a full-time role. I don't think he's a center fielder at all with his speed. I'm not exactly sure who they would put in center, honestly, if they lost Hamilton, Ralph. But uh, So maybe we're just kind of thinking of a pipe dream here. If Hamilton gets traded, then nothing even happens to Winker's value because they end up going to someone else in the center. It would, but, have, uh, to be Jose, it would have to be like Jose oh, Siri. You think oh, Peraza could probably Peraza's do it. Interesting, Siri's yeah. like a year off. I mean, he mm-hmm. would really have to prove this hit tool, and we'll get into that in a yeah. minute. Um, but he's got the defensive chops that you could probably play center field there right now. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you see some crazy grades on, on Winker's hit tool. Yeah, he's interesting to me. I'm not sure. I, I think I'll stick with that kind of 270, 280 with the 1,800-ish home runs. So it becomes viable. I bet he's one of those guys who could get on a little bit of a stretch and ends up being a, a classic pickup where people are starting to really – project on the upside and figure out how much is there one of the guys that i actually really really like that i think he could be a light version of which is interesting because you often hear light versions in the opposite direction you often hear like a guy in the lower levels is a light version of so-and-so i'm gonna go the other way though i'm gonna go that winker is a light version of pavin smith actually who's a guy i really really like lefty (laughs) for the d-backs first baseman different positionally but approach wise pavin is someone who's basically gonna put up even watch strikeout ratios we're interested on pavin's power just because he had a really weird line on in the short season i believe he played um after coming out of virginia but i i like pavin smith a lot and i think that winker to some extent could be like a pavin smith light i know i'm much more bullish on pavin than a lot of people but uh i'm interested to see what winker does overall specifically this year dynasty was not really sure how how nice that value was long term but as i as we briefly touched on points leagues is, a, is probably where you want to target him because of this approach and i don't really think that's going to waver at all the hit tools is, is very good and i can actually see it improving to some extent especially i don't know Votto as a teammate wise i'm sure he's a, he seems like an amazing guy but i'd like to see Votto work with winker a little bit and improve that pr- approach even more oh, i don't know how good of a teacher Votto is but that'd be really cool <laughs> to see that uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that, but I know that they get a lot of comps. Do you want to laugh? Yeah. So I'm in the middle of this REI draft right now. Oh, yeah, and, let's go. <laughs> uh, so I am uh, I am at uh, round 26. So pick two. Okay. I'm starting to pick sort of like my prospects and stuff. Like my, my, my lineup isn't totally full, but at this point, like the guys that are available that are MLB bats, I'm kind of like 
if I pick one of them in a couple of rounds, I really don't care which one it is. You know, yeah, it's yeah. probably going to be a guy going to drop off the waiver for somebody else anyway. And I'm, I'm, I'm more looking toward like the end of the season being better, like a good second half. So here's the deal. I could go with Bukowskis. I go with Rooker or, or I could take Pavin Smith right now. And I think oh. I'm going to take that. I think I'm going to take you gotta Pavin. Go He's going to go with the love. I, I'm big on Pavin. I think I'm actually going to try to slot him in well, like I, top 60-ish, top 50. So I'm bullish. These guys are, these guys are going to be pretty high on Pavin too. So I think he's going to be a good trade chip because I'm trying to have a lot of good trade chips. So on air, boom. This is the Pavin Rotowire Smith, Invitational, Arizona. right? This is the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational. I just took Pavin Smith uh, in the 26th round. I just want to say like some of the other prospects that have gone here are like Isan Diaz. Somebody just took Steven Duggar. Uh, wow. Adam Frazier just went Chris Shaw, um, uh, Estui Ruiz, uh, Chance Cisco, uh, Jorge Soler, Adonis Medina, uh, Morihan, uh, Micker Adolfo, Hudson Potts. I Micker, feel pretty really? good about that Pavin Smith pick. I'm just saying, I'm just saying I'm looking pretty good with that Pavin Smith. I pick. like it. Mauricio Dubon, Sheldon Luis, Dustin mm-hmm. Pedroia, Joey Wentz, Prado, Fetty. Uh, Steven Gonzalez, uh, Logan Forsythe, Jake Berger. I, I, I'm feeling Pavin. I'm feeling Pavin Smith. Thank you. Like Thank it. you, Lance. Bring no it problem. Up. No it problem. It reminded me that I needed to check. Check. I just was on the clock a few minutes ago and uh, was able to make that pick. So you guys were right along air with me as I as I <laughs> snagged up Pavin Smith. There I love you it. Go. I love it. <laughs> is Shed Long still available, Ralph? This is the guy we're going to get into next. Second baseman, five eight. Shetty. Shetty, 5'8", 180. He's got a little bit of pop. He's one of those guys who I think often gets comped, is going to get comped. He's a little bit undersized. He's got some pop to Pedroia, to uh, even Altuve, which I just, I'm going to disagree with right off the bat. Those are two comps that I tend not to really place on anyone just because they're so unique overall in what they've done in their careers. Shedlong is is interesting. Left side bat, second baseman, probably even more like a Kingery type where he's got a weirder mix of power speed, but not nearly the same average and approach that Kingery has. So if you want to jump back on this light bandwagon, then I'm quote unquote talking about is you can kind of look at him as like a Kingery light, but Shed is interesting. I got one. You got one? Let me hear it. Brendan Phillips light. Oh, okay. I like that. That's, yeah. That's who I think he is. I can I see don't that. Say, I don't say that just because they're both African-American second baseman. Okay. So don't give me crap about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> stay I woke, can, people. Stay woke. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I can see it in terms of actually the, the stance overall because they're both kind of a little bit crouched. Shedlong yeah. has this really interesting thing with his arms where he, he almost does like a Gio Morgan-esque thing, which is funny because he's on the Reds, where he he's rests his bat right on his shoulder, and then he comes up with it and goes through the zone. I'm interested to see if they adjust that. A guy I wrote about a little bit ago for Rasball, Zach Kozart, went in the opposite direction. He always had his hands above his head, and they brought him down to his shoulder, and it was much quicker barrel to the uh, zone. He, he His home runs obviously jumped up a ton last year. He's a guy that i relatively neutron, I'd say, coming in this year on the Angels, but I like him overall. I like what he's done adjustment wise but shed is a guy that i'd actually be interested to see if they take his hands off his shoulder it might be more of a rhythm thing but uh i think that his swing is probably a little bit long as it sits but there's some pop there and i think you rarely see guys with substantial amount of pop who are solid second baseman who for the most part probably can stick there and and fit there overall and fit as a player sits there so second baseman and, with some pop you know and he's a converted catcher yeah I, which I, is interesting I, that's what's sort of sort of interesting but he's he's a really good athletic player and i think the thing i like about him the most is uh he has um sort of all fields power too i mean he had four or five homers to the opposite field this year so it's not all pulse size pop with him and that's 
a pretty big deal. You know, I, I think especially when, you know, he's in a ballpark where you could really put the ball out from really any point. I mean, there's yeah. no point in that park where you're like, uh, you know, it's bad for righties or bad for lefties, uh, or switch hitters who uh, only bunt. I mean, I think they can all hit homers out of that park, but you know, he's got a nice sort of, uh, powerful lefty stroke. I'll say yeah, it, 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 it can be, you know, it's uppercut. As you, I think you mentioned, it can be a little choppy at times. I think he got a little bit too aggressive when he was in double a, um, but I, I expect him to settle in. I think the fact that he was a catcher for a little bit and there's just, you know, he was a, he was a, a, a raw sort of prep prospect. Sometimes those guys just take a little bit longer. So we may not see him until he's like 24, but I do think he's going to factor into that infield uh, and they're going to have sort of some tough decisions but the thing with Long, it's nice is he's got the ability to maybe factor in as like a utility guy that can maybe play some corner spots, um, maybe a little bit of third base as well. So maybe in that sense, he's a little bit similar to uh, Scott Kingery. But overall, I, I really like the profile with him. Uh, I'd like to see him maybe cut down on the ground balls a little bit. Um, but he's got, you know, makes a lot of hard contact. as a pretty nice line drive rate. He's around 20%. Um, but he does have the speed to be able to run out some of those ground balls too. So not awful. I, I, I like shed long a lot. He is, uh, still one of my favorite prospects. I had to drop him in a dynasty league recently. Uh, and I felt kind of bad about it after I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shed is shed is pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm a fan. I think overall of, of a guy with this much pop at second base. I also got a hand great it. name. Yeah. 80 great name for sure. You got to give it to the reds draft draft development guys back in 2013 too, when they took him in the 12th round. And projected him out probably a little bit overall on what he could do speed, power, and approach-wise. And actually saw a little bit more on the walk side of things in there. I'm not exactly sure who drafted him or who had that. Sam Sherwood might never know. But, you know, as we look at a lot of this list, a lot of this list has been restructured in the last two years. A lot of these guys are 2017, yeah. 2016 guys. And a guy like Shed has been in the system for a bit. I know he's a bit younger. At, he's actually kind of actually older relative to some of the guys here at 22. But he's a guy that's been in the system since 2013. Um, man, he took a lot of time to develop, but I, I handed the rights for developing him as they have and actually getting to a point where I think a lot of people do see major league potential with him and regular major league potential. I have a question for you on, sure. on Shedlong because I don't know if you took a look at sort of what his splits were in terms of pole center and, and oppo, but I didn't know he was, he was, he's more oppo than he is pole. He actually, hmm. that's where most of his contact is. So when he was in a, uh, a high a this year, 36.9% oppo. 30% center, 32.6% on pull. Then when he got up to double A, he was like trying to put everything the opposite way. And that's what they were actually saying was he was struggling with a little bit. 45% of his contact was opposite field contact. So if you can tap into a little bit more of his sort of pull side power, maybe pull the, the Daniel Murphy type of stuff with, with that opposite field ability. I mean, with the rates like that, he obviously it's a skill. He knows how to do that. Um, he might be able to pair up a lot of nice stuff here. I mean, I think there's, I, I think he's a guy that that's taken a little bit longer to marinate, but there's a lot of nice underlying skills here that I think you see when you watch him, but also when you look at the numbers. So I wondered, I wondered what you thought about him, maybe, you know, pulling into that, that, that Daniel Murphy sort of approach where he started to go more so the pull side power after he sort of developed that opposite field skill. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised I didn't notice this. I really like that developmentally, Ralph. I didn't know this, but if you look at a lot of the peripherals that come off that approach, too, I know a lot of people just look at Apple and think he's going the other way, but one of the biggest reasons guys go the other way is to stay inside the ball, and one of the things that we saw when he jumps up from high to double A is the walk rate jumped up, and this K-rate came down, and I know the BABIP is much lower. 
and the average is much lower. But if you look at a lot of batted ball distribution data and the averages that correlate with balls that go in the opposite field, they're much lower than balls that go to the pull side. So this is it on, what it says to me almost to some extent, I'm going to pause, toss it out here right now, is that he went up to double A and the coaches literally looked at him and said, great, you got 42 games, go the other way with everything and let's see what happens. Developmentally, because yeah. they want him to see the ball deeper in the zone. I like this. I did not he catch this route. It was a good too. catch. Yeah, yeah he that's wa- the he thing. He walked more too. He struck, he struck out less. And I'll say big props to uh, the guy that signed him. I looked it up right now on Baseball America. There would be Ben Jones and he grabbed him as a 12th. 12th, 12th round, round yeah draft 375 overall it's just yep. looking that's Out very of, uh, impressive jacksonville alabama who's a yeah. high school guy so that he's yeah he's a very interesting prospect only 5'8 but 180 and you look at him and he's a he's a bit of a pit bull he's a strong guy yeah you know yeah exactly a real athlete uh and i love it i love the lefty bat too you know that, <laughs> yeah. that adds a little bit to him i i seriously when when you look at like the way guys grade out in terms of how scouts and major leagues look major leaguers look at them when they have that like additional defensive value plus they're a lefty bat i think it actually pushes their eta a little bit so i think that's that makes a good case for him potentially being a a, a future major leaguer um almost for certain i agree yeah that's that's really cool that we found i didn't even see that up i like that a lot now as far as approach goes but i'd be interested to see like that's a question i know david loria does a lot of minor league interviewing on fan graphs if he ever runs into Shed Long, ask Shed Long if there was a conscious difference to go the other way there. You know, we saw a guy in the major league do, level do a very different hitter as a comp to Senzel earlier. But Chris Bryant, early in the season last year, went oppo intentionally, and he talked about it a bit. I think the Athletic did some columns on it. Probably BP Wrigleyville did some columns on it. But it was an interesting approach, and he reverted back. So this is something I'm really interested to see with Long, because you look at his average historically, it's, it's around that 280-ish, 300. And it went down a ton, and I'm, I'm fairly certain that's because he was going oppo. And I don't think that's something that is going to be consistent going forward. But um, let's kind of zoom through. We're, we're, we took longer than I thought we would to get through these six guys. But I think that I this, is where, this is where the most interest is on this list. I want to touch on a couple more guys, and then we could probably zoom through the second half of this. But one of the guys that we kind of alluded to earlier, Jose Siri, outfielder. I need to ask you right off the bat because I looked through him a bit. I'm interested in him overall. I like him overall. Do you think he's overrated because of that hit streak, Ralph? I think to a certain extent he's probably a little bit overrated because of the hit streak. But I will say this. I felt that way uh, until I had read the Baseball America write-up that was done by uh, C. Trent Rosecrans, who's like the go-to guy, he's like the Alex Spear for the Red Sox. He's the same guy for the Reds, you know, and and he's pre- is prestigious enough that Baseball America reached out and had him do the list. Well, they do superlatives on this list and best athlete in the system. Let's remember the Reds have a ton of great athletes. Jose Siri was ranked as the best athlete in the system, fastest base runner. Jose Siri was the fastest base runner in the in the system. Uh, best power hitter, best power hitter. Jose Siri was the best in the system. Best outfield arm. So I think you know the questions that we have about his hit tool, which is where potentially he's overrated because of that that uh, hit streak. He makes up for it a little bit with his profile with his defense because it's it's good enough to sort of you know get him uh, into the major league lineup every day as an as an everyday center fielder. In a lot of ways, he kind of reminds me of like Carlos Gomez because he's sort of this big, exciting, toolsy guy. There's some hit tool questions and there's some attitude questions as well. That's mm. really where I think the questions come into play with Jose Siri. He was old for the level. You know, he was 22 years old. But damn, this guy's got a lot of tools. And I think he's an exciting he's an exciting fantasy player. And I think he's a little bit underrated. I mean, he's still on the board in this uh, this this RDI draft, you know, and we're, we're in the 500s in terms of numbers in terms of picks. So nobody's grabbed him up yet. And this is a guy that had 
you know, a fabulous season, uh, and especially statistically in the minor leagues this year. I mean, um, you know, what were, what were his, his, his Homer uh, steals totals. Yeah, was he was 24, 46, 46. Yeah, 24, 46 46. 58. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's you insane. know, slash 293, 341, 530. That's absurd. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And I'm, I, it's one of those things. I'd be interested to see where Rosecrans would put Siri on a top 100 list because we're mentioning all like the athlete side, the power side, all this stuff is clicking. Yet he ends up kind of in the back end of the top 100, I believe, for most people is where you're going to see him as we. As Absolutely. a lot of people, I think, towards the end of January, we're going to start seeing a lot of updated top 100s. I think MLBs is coming out, I would bet. Uh, Long and Higgins, I think, on Fangraphs usually comes out a little later. And then I'm sure BA and BP will have them out too. Uh, mine out, Ralph will probably have a relative update sometime soon. So we're going to see a lot of these starting to come out. And I think that Siri ends up probably on the lower end of them. So is it that much of an attitude thing, Ralph, overall? Because I, I couldn't, it's really hard. You can't really pick up on that stuff watching video on him. I liked what I saw overall. Um, I think the hit tool is pretty good. I'm not really sure where the walk rate goes. He's in that weird in-betweener phase where it jumped sure. up from two to six. But does it go two, Does it go like six to eight? Or does it stay six and probably drop to five-ish? And this other thing we got to keep in mind is that we talk. We often knock guys for not doing it at a high enough level. He played in Dayton, I believe, A-ball. And that's where yeah, he did all this damage. He was one of those guys who was probably, probably due for a promotion but didn't get it. 552 plate appearances at A-ball where he did this. And he put this kind of season together, 293, 341, 530 overall with a 140-weighted runs created plus. It's really, really good overall. I just – it's one of those things like we got to see where the walk rate goes. We got to see where the K rate goes and where some of these tools go as he, as he kind of jumps up through levels and through the red system. I'm interested to see – what did you have on the ETA with him, Ralph? Did you have him – let me jump to your list quick. You had, I had him, him 2019. Uh, 2019. I think Because okay. I think late 2019 he can come up. But I, I like I said, I really think that – you know he's got the exciting offensive profile, but he's got the he's got the defense that if they decide to cash in on Billy Hamilton, and they can, that's fair. Yeah, uh, with somebody you know potentially, and, uh, and series old I for the level the too, to, to some extent. Yeah, yeah, he so, is. I mean, there's there's a lot of risk, and there's definitely some knocks here. But you know, as I started to dig in a little bit more, I think that there is a player there if they could sort of get it together. He's kind of like entering this. He had a great season, but in a lot of ways, he kind of reminds me of like Jorge Mateo who had some similar sort of questions personality wise, but has these big, exciting fantasy tools, you know, only mm-hmm. Siri has a defensive home. So I, I, and I really think that like that adds to his value. Cause it, it does look, it does raise the floor a little bit in terms of him progressing throughout the minors. Uh, it just really depends on now if those offensive skills can translate once he hits high a and double a and potentially triple a. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Very interesting on him. Um, I'm interested to see in these next couple of years. I bet he gets a, a full season high assignment. I bet he could get up to like triple A-ish this year. Jump, jump, playing three levels, a couple hundred plate appearances at each. I'm not really sure what they're doing developmentally with him, but I'm interested to see him in 2018 along with a lot of these other guys. Um, let's see here. Let's jump down to Jeter Downs, who's a guy that I actually like a bit. He's another one of these kind of 2017 um, top 50-ish draft picks that the Reds have rebuilt this almost entire system with depth-wise with these guys who they drafted last year. I think we'll get into another one of them very briefly. Jacob Heatherly, who's their third-round pick. Jeter Downs is really interesting. He's a guy I think a lot of people are picking out as one of these 30 to 40 overall 2017 draft guys that'll probably jump up and should have been probably taken between 10 and 15 spots earlier. I like his swing a lot. He's only 19. Really good arm, I thought. Contact all fields. He's in between on the body, which is something that I think a lot of people probably see him long-term at third base. Is maybe, I guess, somewhat of a knock, but in my opinion, I really I like the swing enough where I think the back can actually play up to some extent. 
at third. And he's only 19, I'm saying that. So he's a guy that I like a bit. I Again, I, I agree with this list. I went straight down through nine here, mate, Ralph. You know, the guy I skipped over was Tony Centillion, um, who we'll probably get to in a sec as we talk about some of the other pitchers on this list and we speed through this bottom half of this list here. But Jeter yeah. Downs is really interesting. 267, 370, 424 in rookie ball. He was committed to University of Central Florida. It's a lot of upper body in the swing, as I as I kind of alluded to a little bit with some of this power and projection that I'm looking at here. Um, another one of these guys where I'd like to actually see specifically, I know a lot of the times I say, oh, let's see if we can get this guy to do X, Y, or Z mechanically. I want to see Jeter pick up a leg kick, and I want to see him get back on that backside a little bit and drive through the ball a little bit more. It's a lot of upper body right now, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if in six months or maybe even six months to 12 months we're looking at this kid and going, oh, cool, he's getting into the ball a little bit more, and he's going to the right center gap and he can stick at third but i like him a lot eight for 13 on the bags isn't too too encouraging at this level but he had six home runs and 200 plate appearances about, about right around there so that's where i'm kind of envisioning some power and even more and more power getting into that mm. maybe 60s grade raw power um if he can get into this his lower body a little bit more which is something i talked about with sinzel but sinzel's obviously on a completely other level do you like jeter downs ralph yeah, I love Jeter Downs. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head with everything that you said. Um, yeah, it's mostly upper body right now, but I will say that like the upper, the actual swing itself, the swing path, really relaxed. It's a nice stroke. He does stay back in the ball. I know I've watched a couple of videos, maybe two or three of different uh, cage work that he's done, and he's just very relaxed in there. It's not there's not a lot of moving parts or anything like that. So it's a relatively simple stroke, um, and I think that he's a guy that you could sort of build on that frame once again um in a lot of ways he's like the middle infield version of taylor trammell comp round pick good athlete um guy that had you know sort of a storied uh high school career i think he was a a a florida prospect i don't know if he was a tampa guy or if he was a miami area guy but i do know that he was named after Derek jeter (laughs) (laughs) which is yeah they got some interesting names as you get later on this list shed long jeter downs and then the guy i'm gonna mess up which is just I don't know why. I mean, I don't mean to knock this kid's parents, but Cash Chase Case. Case. Like Cash it's just Chase. the most it's the Cash most confusing Chase, name to say. I cannot say that name. I just want to say Cash Chase for some It'd reason. A, Chase Cash would have been better. That's that a mouthful be a, too. That's that's Jesus. a seriously gangster like uh rap name though. If that's like your rap moniker. <laughs> true, true. So true. Cash Case in the building. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll stick to cash, cash, cash case, <laughs> cash case pockets on swole, baby. Um, but anyway, Jeter, Jeter downs. I think we said it all. Yeah. Um, he's got, you know, the ability to put the ball in all fields. Um, he does have the arm to certainly stay on the left side of the infield. Oh, I agree. He, Absolutely. He does have a good glove at this point. He's athletic enough. He moves enough. He's got a good enough range. Um, but I think in a lot of ways, people look at the body, like you said, and it's similar to Fernando Tatis Jr., where they really want to move him to third base. But at this point, there's no reason to think he's moving off a shortstop. Uh, and he could have a future there when you really look at, you know, the way things may play out in, you know, four or five years with Senzel, maybe with a future at second base. And maybe, you know, Suarez continues to progress and he stays at third. You know, who knows? Maybe mm-hmm. maybe this could be their their shortstop of the future. But I like Jeter Downs a lot, and he, like I said, he's a guy that was in my top 25 in terms of first-year player drafts. I'll probably own him in a lot of my deeper dynasty leagues where I'm drafting toward the end of the first round. And uh, if you're in like a 30-team league and you're drafting toward the end of the first round, Lance, in, in, <laughs> yes, 30, in 30, yes, I think that Jeter Downs might be around your spot, and then you can – Yep. Call on me, and Ralph will Ralph will trade you something for your Reds prospect. <laughs> Remember that. Yeah, I, I I peg him as a riser on this list. If we're looking, especially with how how 
good the uh the reviews were so to speak from his short little stint he had um he could get up to easily six or five in the system i think with another good season under his belt um so that's kind of the core and we're gonna have three graduates off this off this oh yeah very quickly with Mm -hmm. with senzel uh with molly and then with winker as well you know so there's gonna be some spots opening up I agree. Yeah. Um, that's the chunk of the list that those eight guys I really, really like. I think those are the ones that we could dig into more. Maybe we speed it up now as we're, as we're eclipsing the hour markish here and talk about we'll combo up a pitcher and a catcher here. Tony Centillion, right handed pitcher, 6'3, 240. I saw some pretty crazy grades on his fastball that I don't really know how they were there. I, I watched a bit of tape on him and I, I often see 60, 70 fastballs and kind of can tell right off the bat that they are, but Centillion's, I, I didn't see that with it, but maybe I just don't have that much of an eye or developed enough of an eye. Maybe that more run than I saw in the video I saw. Not too sure. Maybe he commands it really well. It's another reason that some guys get really good fastball grades, but uh, he's pretty quick from his windup overall. I like the fact that he doesn't kind of drag that out too much. 128 innings at A-ball, 24% K rate, 10% walk rate. I kind of see him as a 4-5, possibly some uh, long relief-ish a downside, so to speak, because you don't really ever want that. I don't think he really has too much of the stuff to end up as a closer, a back-end guy, so he's going to probably linger in that five-ish window. And then Stevenson is the guy we talked a little bit, Ralph, pre-recording uh, here, that you see kind of sticking at catcher, and I don't know how much I see him sticking at catcher. I think I'm more just indifferent on it because I want to see what the Reds do with his development because if they keep him at catcher, it's it's going to be a relatively long road just because he hasn't caught too many games. Last three years, he's caught under 100 games, which is my biggest concern if they keep him, keep him at catcher because if you want a catcher in fantasy, you probably want that sooner than later. And if you're investing in a guy like Stevenson in any kind of league, do you really want to wait five years for him to get reps under his belt and for the Reds to be comfortable bringing up kind of that 26, 27-year-old guy who's got some reps? Even though you see a decent approach, um, if he moves anywhere off a catcher, would it be a little bit more interesting to me? So quick thoughts on Santillian and Stevenson, Ralph. Yeah, I will say with Santillian, I think he's a little bit better than you give him credit for. I think there is okay. mid rotation upside with this guy. He's going to miss a lot of bats, you know, of mm-hmm. all the guys that are in the system, um, you know, other than Hunter green, I think that he probably has the highest uh, strikeout upside. And yeah. a lot of that more comes down to the fact mm-hmm. that he has a pretty good um, slider. He started to refine the change up a little bit more this year. And that fastball, though it's not deceptive in terms of his delivery, arm slot in the fastball and the slider and changeup are all actually pretty similar. And uh, he gets good movement on it. I've heard, I've heard from scouts and other guys that I've talked to that that uh, that have you know watched him in the Midwest League had told me that the spin rate in the fastball was you know the art was 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 high, and okay. you know he gets good movement on it. It's got some dive to it, and that you know they think it's a, a tough pitch to square up. He has his nights where he looks electric and he's his other nights where he doesn't look so great. Um, I think ultimately that's what his major league career is going to be like. So he's going to be one of these guys like maybe his upside is like a Trevor Bauer sort sort of type. Now, I don't think he's okay. as cerebral as Trevor, Trevor Bauer. He's not the same pitcher as Trevor Bauer. But I think the end game in terms of what the stat line looks like at the end of the day, I think he's a decent guy to have in your rotation. Um, he'll give you some tough innings and he's a big, you know, hard throwing Texas righty and. There's a long track record of those guys being pretty good. And, you know, I think his batting average against 222 is what I have in front of me. Uh, and he was fourth in the league in strikeouts with well, 128, 128 strikeouts. Uh, ERA was 338. So he had a pretty good year. Big issue with him coming into the year was health. Um, but I've always been a Santillian fan. I actually owned him on a couple teams coming into 2017. So he's been on my radar for a little bit. Uh, as for Stevenson, I had him 10, but I think a lot of it comes down to it's like pick your poison with the end of this reds list. Like after yeah, the first is. nine, because I think, I think Centillion is still 
well within that nine. If you want to swap him with Jeter yep. Downs, I'm, I'm probably fine with that. Agreed. I just think he's a little bit closer than Downs is. But like Gutierrez is a, is like a pen arm. Heatherly is like just an, an okay pitching prospect. You know, if you're in deeper mm-hmm. league for depth, Cash Case Aquino has some questions. Fairchild for some people might be higher. I just don't know how high the the fantasy upside is. And uh, Jose Israel Garcia is just a little bit further off. If we're going to like just name it off this list and why I have Stevenson where he is. Yeah. I'm not in love with Stevenson. I do think he's going to catch some games in his career. Um, and he gets on base. And I think there's some projectable power still in that frame. If they're able to tap into it, he may not make the major leagues to he's 25. <laughs> um, but yeah. I do think there could be some fantasy catcher upside. He, you know, if, if everything maxes out, there could be a top 10 catcher in there in a nice ballpark with a good opportunity. Um, and, the Reds have had a pretty good track record of bringing along catchers. You know, Devin Mezzarocco just got hurt. That's oh what his God. issue was. Yeah. And Tucker Barnhart isn't a great hitter, but I think he's a gold. Didn't he win a gold glove this yeah, year? That's the trivia. The that's what's going to linger on trivia boards yeah. for the longest time. 2020, we're going to be like, who is the gold glove in the NL at catcher? And no one is going to remember Tucker Barnhart. I'm sorry, yep. but no one is going to remember that. <laughs> But but oh, maybe man. it shows a track record that can bring some of these guys along and at least bring bring them into major league catchers that can have impact one way or the other. And, you know, maybe he ends up in a, a timeshare if like Chris Oakey actually comes along or something. Who's another guy that's <laughs> kind of off this list. Um, but I think he's at least interesting. And I, I don't know, maybe maybe I overrated a catcher. Maybe I did exactly what I usually hate when other people do. But um, I don't know. I guess I guess it's the approach. I think it's the fact that he had a 374 to a 278 batting average, and when I see that like 100 point split, and it's still a pretty good batting average, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit of a sucker for those approach guys. Yeah, I, that's that's completely understandable, and I, I know you've done that with some other catchers. How was so my Stevenson justification? Was it okay? I like it. It's good. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things. Like, yeah, if you're looking, if you're owning, like Raz 30, it's one of those things. Like, if you end up with him because you want to kind of sit on a catcher, like. It's understandable. You know, deeper leagues like that, I completely understand, especially if you're in a two-kind-of-catcher league where you kind of need something like that. Um, I'll touch on these guys uh, 11 through 13 on your list quickly, Ralph, and you can talk about any of them specifically that you want. Um, Vladimir Gutierrez, right-handed pitcher. He's 22, pitching high, 100 innings. Really good control, sub, sub-5% on the walk um, rate. And his ERA, to me, was a little bit deceptive because the FIP was a little bit lower, just completely high level there. Um, got a bit of a diving fastball that sits in the low 90s. I think most people are going to peg him as a bullpen guy for the most part, but I actually think if he could figure out his change, he could end up being kind of a five. Um, in the four is probably the ceiling on him overall, but he's interesting. I think he's a guy, if you're looking at a guy later on this list that, can, that you want to take a percentage that he actually gets to the major leagues and maybe provides even a, a tiny, tiny bit of value, I'm fine with thinking that, that it's Gutierrez because of the floor you see with that, that, um, that diving fastball. I think he repeats his delivery a little bit better than a lot of people say he does. I watched a little bit of tape on him. I really like guys who are a little bit rhythmic right, like him, who have a kind of ticks here and there that you could pick up on and see them consistently as he rises up through the levels. And I think that he could kind of appreciate a little bit quick through the system as well. So Gutierrez is a guy that I like substantially more than I like Jacob Heatherly, who is someone that I kind of feel like writing off to some extent and I know he was just picked last year in the third round but there's just a lot of stuff that I wasn't the biggest fan of and it's not really because it's mechanically wrong but just I just looked at it overall and I saw not the greatest body interesting from the left-handed slot he had there's really nothing there on the breaking ball side or change of side there's just a lot of kind of meh to him and it's just I would go with a multitude of pitchers over Heatherly and then Cass oh god Cash 
case. There we go. I had to slow that down and say that. Didn't really hit at all in rookie ball, which is concerning to me. I think there's a lot of tinkering that has to go into his swing to get it to a point that the Reds want. But, I mean, if you look at another second base partner, we were just talking about Shetty Long up there, much higher up on this list. They worked with him for a while. He's one of the guys who sat in rookie ball, I think, for two years, and they tinkered. Would I be stunned if Cash Cash Case is one of those guys who ends up on the... I love it that I'm this. You I, up. It's like two I, I, basic like I English words. I can't cash put them together. Case. Cash, I want to say cash chase for some reason because I'm looking at it and I want to put an H there because I'm saying the H at the end of cash. But um, I'd cop him up to a shed long kind of guy. I don't know if he's going to be nearly as good. I think that's like a really good outcome is if if this guy, if cash case can actually turn into shed long. So interesting. <laughs> uh, any, th- any thoughts overall on the, this trio of guys here, Ralph? Any of them stand out to you? Um, you know, I, I think the thing with, uh, Gutierrez is it would have to come together. He had to get some more shape on his breaking ball. The changeup yeah, yeah. has to develop, but I mean, I, 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 there's no top of the rotation sort of upside with this guy and absolutely none. No, no. I, I, I don't know if there's even mid rotation really upside. I think he's just no, sort of I like, think it's either like, like a number four starter yeah. or he's like a seventh inning guy. You know, but I think that I mean, um, if you're looking at the bottom of this list, though, he's one of the guys. Leaguer, like, yeah, if you're that's in, like, what I'm saying. League, like I'm in some like head-to-head 18 team league where we're, like we have holds and stuff, and he's like a decent prospect to hold on to. You know, he's a guy we yeah. take a shot on. Exactly, just because of the inning. Exactly what you're saying. Like if Heatherly never gets to the majors, am I going to be shocked? Not at all. If Gutierrez never gets to the majors, will I be kind of? surprised i think i would be a little bit just because i think that he's got a really high floor and he ends up being one of these guys if the reds don't actually compete in the next couple of years and they need just a filler for innings like hop him up from double a and see what he does like he's that's what he feels like to me overall and that's what i'm most interested in, in him particularly um and then actually ralph we'll finish it off at the bottom three on your list here aristides aquino center fielder stewart fairchild outfielder and then jose israeli Israel is ooh, Israeli is Israel Gar- Garcia, man. I'm just messing up all the names here. We, we get late. We get an hour 17 into this and I just, oh man, <laughs> mess up everything. These three guys though, actually pre-show, I was talking to Ralph a little bit. I actually kind of like them and I would probably hop them up above guys like uh, with Stevenson in that kind of 10-ish window. And again, we always talk about by back end of this list like this, where you look at 10 through 17 and there's basically no difference. Like that is one tier and I'm completely fine with saying that, but they each have a little something that I'm interested in. Uh, the biggest thing actually is 16 on this list. Garcia, who was signed as a Cuban prospect, he's 6'2", 175, a lot of room to fill out on that body, 19 years old from Cuba. Um, the only video I could find on him was Baseball Americas, where I, I'm fairly certain it was from probably one of his early Cuban uh, just showcase days, and then probably an American batting cage from what it looked like to me, possibly maybe one in, in a facility down there. Uh, I actually really like what they did with him and his swing. I think he's a guy who can easily jump up a spot or two but again he's, he doesn't have any minor league pro ball experience at all he was signed mm. in june i think he just kind of sat around but they changed his swing a lot if you look at his cuban showcase swing it's it's relatively disgusting but i want to give it to the reds prospecting system again i know they haven't developed a lot of guys but whatever they did in the, in the couple months with him really quick on it it looks a lot smoother overall i like him a lot i don't really know if he's going to stay at short he didn't really look too good in that america video I, I personally i thought with his actions but he's interesting and then fairchild is another guy uh Things that stands out to me with him watching tape of him, he gets his foot down really, really, really early. And I'm not really sure what the logical adjustment off that's going to be. But 
I, you just watch him. Like it doesn't look like there's much going on again in the lower half, as we mentioned so many times mm. on this Reds list. So another guy that's interesting, he was a 38th pick in 2017. So as we're talking about them filling out the rest of this list depth wise with 2017 picks, another guy. And then Aristides Aquino, um, we often talk about kind of that high A to double A jump being one of the toughest. And Aquino felt it pretty hard. His K rate went up about 9%, and his average fell over 60 points. He's a guy, if you watch between 2015 and 2017, they changed up his hands a ton. He, he went a lot lower, and it actually reminded me slightly just because of the movement from above his head to down to a guy, Austin Meadows, who I know Eric Long and Hagen of Fangraphs doesn't really like that adjustment that they made with him at all. And I was trying to get an answer out of him in his most recent chat and prospects about why, but I couldn't. So if you're listening, Long and Hagen, if for some reason you're listening to this podcast at an hour and 20 in, as we are about to talk about a fan tracks draft, a trade possibly um and, and you know and you want to talk to me about why meadows dropped his hands and why you don't like it, i want to talk but i noticed it was similar to what aquino did so i wanted to bring that up ralph close it out with uh any thoughts on these three guys um yeah do you believe i'll say in uh, garcia signed for five million dollars so there's obviously something there but i haven't seen yeah, anything yeah. from him so that's that's the reason i had him as low as i did fairchild i think you can make an excellent case for me maybe underrating him I guess I, what I like about Jacob Heatherly is that he's a left-handed starter and, and he's a prep guy. And, you know, there's there's something there in terms of foundation. So it gives him some projectability. I don't know. Maybe it made him just too much of a lefty whore. Now that I look <laughs> at it, I think he probably could have thrown like Heatherly all the way down at 16 and popped up like Garcia yeah. or Fairchild. Um, Fairchild, ACC background, pretty good defense. Um, I don't see how he's any worse than, you know, somebody like Jaron Kendall. Really? Yeah, that's fair. You know, I saw Kendall out in Indiana, and I liked him a lot, actually. But I'm um, I'm completely yeah. fine with that comp. Yeah, he might have a better hit tool than Kendall. Maybe maybe the the power yeah. is isn't Approach as good. Wise, but he's sure. got some power and he's got speed. He knows how to run. Um, so there's there's some excitement there as well. Uh, Aquino, I guess my issue with him is the contact ability, the fact that he's 23 and he only hit 216. Um, supposed to be a power guy, hit three ninety yeah. <laughs> slug three ninety seven. It was a really bad year for him, and I think he got exposed a little bit. So I guess I'm just lower on him. I think I think I gave him a bone, even putting him fourteen above Fairchild and Garcia because he probably shouldn't be. So mm-hmm. there you go. That All right, it. so you want to you want to get to this trade? We're gonna do yeah. this trade on air. Yeah, we do the trade on air. So this is where we devolve into a little bit more casual here. Uh, that is the end of the Reds list. Um, I'm on Twitter at, at Lance Brazdow. Ralph is on Twitter at, at Prospect Jesus. And we are about to dig into a Raz 30 trade that we have discussed a little bit. I believe I have somewhat of a proposal on the table, but as I look through it, um, my minor league system. So we have a minimum of seven. So we keep 25, a minimum of seven minor leaguers from my understanding per the Constitution, Ralph. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So looking through that for me, um, making seven. So you want to take Austin Riley, third baseman from Atlanta, Anthony Alford, Toronto outfielder. You want to take Michelle Baez, obviously the centerpiece of this. And then you also want to take someone else. Let me, oh, Jesus, Jesus Lazardo. Yeah. From the Oakland athletics. So that's the four. And then you're giving me back Domingo Santana, Kyle Seager. And then let me pull up my trade sheet right here that I okay. drafted up. I was going to throw you back a prospect too. What about, I know he's been injured, but you have to meet a minimum limit with the Mets. What if I send you back Zapucky? Is any interest in keeping uh, Zapucky? TJ guy, I know he got hurt. I know you liked him a lot, actually, too. So I that's did. You put him up. Him. I think I'll get. <laughs> see, the thing is, I think I'll get the minimum. I don't think I'm having a problem with that because I no. have. I'm actually keeping you, a lot. And, and Bruce just signed. You actually, until, you have until opening day to get to eight too. Yeah, I think that. I think I'm actually keeping like six major leaguers, and I'll probably just keep Andres Jimenez, who's their kind of shortstop guy, who's not really top 100, but. I guess I keep him because he's the man. It'll help. Yeah, I, I would keep um, him. I, he's the best guy in the system. 
Yeah, <laughs> easily, easily. After I trade these four to you, uh, yeah. I had so the the question I wanted puck, but I know you you need to keep puck. So I'm completely fine with that. Davinsky, are you interested at all in shipping him? Because I know he's kind of that interesting, really good. Last year, we're not exactly sure what it is going forward. Is he going to be a long man? Um, do you need him, or would you be willing to give him up? My the trade I yeah, had on the I'll, table, I would. Uh, I would. If you toss, I would, it, I would give up Davinsky. Yes. Okay, and then. So I do need a prospect back. So the thing I had initially was Davies and Davinsky. So the four for the four with Davies and Davinsky on the back end of Santana and Seeger for the four prospects. But I need the, I need the prospect back because I just I'm not gonna be able to keep anything, and that's gonna be my problem, unless I get other deals done with other people in the league. So I know you need to keep your prospects. How much do you love a guy like Urias though, where it's more probably uh, glove I'm, than bat? Yeah, you, I'm definitely. You do. I'm de- okay. I'm definitely no problem, not problem. moving Louis Urias. Gotcha. No problem. Um, who else do you have there? There was another guy I think that was interesting. Demerit? Um, yeah, he's interesting too. I guess maybe I'm more of that. I really like those guys in that 75 to 125 ish overall window. Um, so now I'm thinking, Mercado, would you, would you like take. Oscar Mercado? For the Cardinal? Yeah, not really. They're not really sure on his position, I think is the big problem. <laughs> um,. Would you, if as it sits, would you do Alfred Baez, Luzardo, Riley for your Santana, Davies, Davinsky? I'd want to hold on to Davies if I'm shipping Davinsky because this is a holds league, a saves holds league. So yeah, Davinsky know, has like a ton of value. That's the only question. Do you that's, do you want? How badly like do you if, want if, to fall back? Because I know you mentioned that. So the four prospects like Duvall, and then. Let me let me Santana, Seeger, and Davinsky. I feel like that's fair. And I'll just throw you back a prospect. Um, let me take. Why did his X out of Fangraphs? Come on. Do you computer. want like admin? Cub shortstop. Yeah. Yeah, I take that. I take admin. Right. He's kind of interesting. He's fringy. I like those seventy-five to one twenty-five guys. So I'm I'm fine with that. All right, all right. Did we just make that trade? Is that it? So we're doing. Let's see. Let me type it Seager, out. Seeger, Santana, Davinsky, and Aidman for the four prospects in Duvall. Did we have Davies in there or no? You're not giving no. up Davies? I'm not giving up Davies. I'll give you Do a Do you prospect. have another shittier picture that I could have? Starter? Uh, I could send you Matt Bush, actually, who might start this year. It's interesting. He might start. They're converting him. Yeah. Jesus Christ! What are the Rangers doing? <laughs> I have no idea. Because well, I have like Holland, on, but I want to be able to like package Holland in like another deal. Yeah, I'm and fine I have, with. You. I just I, I want to see where Holland goes Chatwood before and Davies, who I kind of wanted to package in another deal. Okay, let me see. Hold on. Because the, the thing with Davinsky is in like a saves holds league. He's good. Um, yeah. He's so good. You know. And, and he's the value year, I need like ratio, right now. And the ratios are huge. And he gives you like close to, you know, close to 90 innings. Yeah. 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 Hold on here. Hold on. I think this might get done with, I, I like, I think I like Aiden enough. I'm trying to remember what I thought of him from our list. And, uh, he was in there and I liked him a bit. You have anyone else that stands. Ooh. Oh, I got one. Sure. If I if I give you Duvall, so so okay, here we go. So Alfred Baez, Luzardo, Riley Duvall. 
Seeger, Santana, Davies, Aidman, and how about you give me Rutherford, the prep high school bat that's probably a bit of a ways off, or do you want to build around him? No, I'm, I'm okay with that. You like that? So I get two prospects back. I get Aidman, Rutherford, basically, and then Seeger, Santana, Davinsky, Major League Talent, and then you're getting the Major League Talent of Duvall, and then I'm giving you the Minor League Talent of Alfred Baez, Luzardo, and Riley. How do you feel? Uh, can, you, can you throw in uh, Estuary Ruiz? Yeah, I'll give you him back. Okay, perfect. Well, that works. I'm going to send it over right now. We're accepting this. I like it. You drafted from RDI on the air, and now uh, we're making this trade on the air. I like it. I know. It's, it's very interactive. <laughs> <laughs> interactive show. So, yeah, five for... Right, so, Seeger, Seeger, Santana, Rutherford, yeah. Admin, and Davinsky for Duvall, Correct. Riley, Ruiz, Alford, Luzardo, and, and Bias. I'm, I'm fine with accepting that. Okay. You on the screen? You can accept it right now. I, I can't. Let me jump. Oh, we already had some. We had some trades today too. I'll, I'll read those on air. Oh, we cool. had uh, the unexciting trade of uh, Sir Anthony uh, Dominguez and uh, Kinsler for. It looks like Matt. Uh, it looks like is that Reynolds? Mark Reynolds? Yes, Mark Reynolds. Mark Reynolds, really? He was in it. What was? What did you think of that trade? Actually, the one that stood out to me was more interesting. I don't remember who was between, so I'm not. I'm not. I don't know actually these people in the league too well. I know Red Sox, Rob, I know a couple of other guys, obviously. But there was a Tatis trade where it was Tatis and Alec Hansen for Yelich. What did you think of that? Because I know that seemed like definitely a win down move for the side that got Yelich, but it seemed like a lot to give up for Yelich. Just because I know a lot of people are down. Oh, on I thought him it redraft. was a ton to give up for Yelich. Yeah, I thought because I really like Hanson. I thought that's that he maxed out on that. Because like I was talking to Paul Spora last night, we were actually discussing Yelich, and oh, interesting. What I had said, and, and he agreed with me, is like I think this is a glue guy. Like this is like a guy you grab in like the sixth round if you have like volatile hitters ahead of him. Like if you had like a a Cody Ballinger and a uh, Aaron Judge, and you wanted to sort of uh, neutralize sort of their batting average risk. He's the perfect guy to sort of add in with those kind of guys. Um, so I think he's more of a glue guy for your Roto team than he is like a go-to guy. And I think you have to question what his value is going to be. I mean, he's put up the seasons he's put up before with uh, some pretty good hitters behind him. And, you know, D Gordon, it, you know, whatever his RBI and run total is going to be like this season. It, there's a lot of questions on that. So there's a ton because he uh, scored a hundred runs. I last thought year, that I was, you gotta hope they better hope that Yellick is traded to like uh, Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that would be holy. That's 120 runs. You put him at the top of that yeah. line. You put him two in front of Goldie exactly. near Lamb, who I know exactly people that. hate because of the splits, but he's still going to put up probably 28 to 32 home runs. Like that's that'd be really interesting to see a team like that go after a guy like that. Um, trade is accepted. I believe I accepted it. Um, let me read off some of these others because yeah, that one was really interesting. I thought that was a lot to give up. Um, just because I mean. Uh, Tatis is just so, so good. Like, I, th- I figured he'd fetch something better. And Hanson, I mean, I'm actually trying to get Hanson from the individual. I think got him because I like Hanson. I think you know I like Hanson a lot. Um, there's another big swap with too many names that I don't want to read off. Oh, okay, here's an interesting one. Esteban Floreal and Alex Verdugo, two outfielders, really raw. And then you have the uh, Verdugo, who's major league ready, right, sitting right there. For Marcus Stroman. Nice, nice trade by my man, Nick, the dick. I thought that, uh, he had, we have a prospect minimum. So the way that this works is we have a, uh, a 38 man roster, 15 minors. And, uh, the remaining of that is split amongst your major leaguers and you need to have 20. So it's like a 25 man, uh, keeper that you yep. get down to from that 38. 
And so there's a sliding scale. You can't keep any more than 13 major leaguers. Can't keep any more than 12 minor leaguers. And then the minimums are like whatever, seven and eight or whatever I think it is. Um, But and that's so you can have a a balance and no one can just go all prospects or all major leaguers. And we Mm -hmm. get some balance uh, in the league. And, you know, everyone's always scoring some points, at least some points. Um, So he needed to get down to his prospect minimum because there was a guy in this league who had the Rockies and he decided to absolutely unload the Rockies. I mean, he traded Nolan Arenado for like uh, Javier Baez and like Schwarber and like uh, Kyle Hendricks or something. It was garbage. It was garbage. It was an awful oh, trade. And then, he, and then he tried to trade uh, Charlie Blackman for Leody Trevarez, uh, Jerickson and Profar and um, uh, Johander Mendez. And, and, and I finally was like, no, I would, we approved the trade. <laughs> and then he, everyone, like the league kind of freaked could all prove anything, but if the, the league will react to it in the chat, and oh they yeah, were the slack, all yeah. over it. And um, so what I ended up doing, and he was really defiant. And then he started taking shots at me about like, well, what if like, what if like Yoan Moncada busts like Jerickson Profar? So Jerickson Profar was a number one prospect. He this is a number one prospect. Of he was, I was yeah. like, yeah, this is a number one prospect from five years ago who hasn't been able to break through with the major leagues with like a thousand shots. Like, yeah, that's, that's not the same thing, dude. <laughs> and the other guy, he's like an eighteen-year-old toolsy player that's like way off. And you, you have a, a team that's a, that's set up for win now. If you're trading away Rockies, man, you got to trade them away to get pitchers from like the Padres or like, you know, whatever team, like you, you, you trade away Rockies to get pitchers from pitchers parks, you know? Yep. Um, and he probably could have made a deal like that with Arenado or Blackman where you could have gotten back with fucking Chris sale, you know? So <laughs> it's true. And then, I mean, one of the older trades too, I obviously looked through all of them when I got in the league that made me perplexed about that Tatis trade was that I believe Red Sox Rob got Giancarlo Stanton for Moncada and Kopech. So that's the thing. It's like, I know Moncada and Kopek aren't what, uh, obviously what Tatis and Hansen are together, but the difference between Stan and Yelich is, is immense to me, I think production wise. And that's what it kind of stands out. I just, just, I don't know. I was interested in that. I would have made a, probably a very aggressive offer on Tatis. So, um, interested, interested, interested. Um, I think that's all the trades really that stand out. There's some really big ones in here that I don't really want to go through just because there's too many moving mm-hmm. parts, but the one we was, we just made Ralph, I like that. I think that helps both our teams and, uh, this team could compete. I expect to be in the playoffs with this team, but I do want to yeah, have a little bit of will. a prospect base there. So now that I got Rutherford and I got uh, Aidman, well, I'm, I'm happy. But here's the thing: the way that we draft is, if you keep less prospects, you have more picks in the draft. So that means oh, interesting. That you okay. Get, so and and it's not only just first year player draft; it's all guys that were international yeah, signees. So, mm-hmm. They don't even have to play over in the United States. It's just anybody. Uh, that's under a major league contract is available or excuse me, under a, a professional contract with a major league team is available. So um, if you keep less prospects, you'll have more picks and you'll be able to add more prospects. You might even be able to draft a couple of like decent uh, Mets guys like Mark Vientos or somebody like that. That's fair. And yeah. uh, keep him stash him, you know, instead so, of sitting we'll on Jay Bruce and Cespedes as I will. The, the lumbering outfield that the Mets will have this year. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to say, though, I mean, you have uh, you have a pretty nice lineup now. And you just added I like it. I like Nico it a lot. Santana, too, to your outfield. So. And Seager slots in because I think I'm going to try to ship VR out. He lost third base eligibility. I didn't have a third baseman. Seager fits yep. in beautifully. Um, Granderson, yep. I'm probably going to shoot in the back of the head. Um, and just VR was the huge barn, for so. me. VR was huge for me the first year of the league. Oh, yeah. Um, Steals, man. We, 
before we switch to this this format and mm-hmm. uh you know I finished in the top four with this team in multiple years um I obviously had more help with my pitching staff the first year and then I started to trade all those guys off so you know you don't have any Mets pitchers but I Chris Sale and Michael Walker uh I'm a Walker guy you know that you know, uh, you have Davinsky now, you have Blake Parker, um, yep. even Minaya is kind of okay. Justin Wilson, Familia, um, you need another couple starters, but, uh, I think you'll figure that out. Cause all my guys got like Tommy John. <laughs> I had JC Ramirez, Volquez, <laughs> yeah, Feldman, Wheeler, Feldman yeah. and they just, they just all, they all blew their What would you down. do? What would you do? All right. L- close out the show with the question. What would you do with Wheeler in my spot? I think I'm going to hit the minimum Mets guys without him. He's interesting. I, would, I, I tried I, to look I up updates. Him, I would let him go. I would let him go um, into. Uh, I would let him go into the uh, into the the, uh, the auction, and then I would just kind of see what I could either because we have a really interesting auction we do on Couch Managers, where it's okay. actually it's a slow auction, but you can nominate up to thirty five players at once. So you can bid on multiple players at the same time. And oh, really, I didn't know this. Okay. Yeah. And every time somebody bids you up, it resets the clock. Uh, we can do like six, nine or 12 hours, depending on how long we wanted to do it. Um, so it's really interesting because we have like this whole rolling thing and like your, your kitty, um, your available, um, you know, uh, auction uh, uh, budget is based off of the amount of MLB keepers you keep. So that's the other thing to kind of offset it. So I would say that a guy like Wheeler is easily, easily replaceable. And gotcha. in your situation where you have a lot of good major leaguers and you have some bullpen pieces and you have an ACE and you're going to have your entire lineup, I would go in with the intention of picking up like a couple bench bats and taking some flyers on guys later in the auction when everyone else has blown all their money and you can get a couple guys for like one, two hour value and then find somebody in the, in, in the auction, a pitcher that you really want as your number three behind Waka and the slot and head ahead of like Kyle Freeland. If he ends up getting, you know, on 50 innings again, um, and just blow like okay. $50 of your budget on it. That's personally what I would do. I think that's cause you're just, you're just missing a starter. That's really what you're missing. You know, it's very and you'll true. still, get, you'll still compete, get some yeah. good prospects in the draft. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at it. So I'll have, I think I'll have around like 20 to 25 overall. I think is depending on where you finished Ralph. I'm not sure where you finished last year with the Mets. I finished, I finished, uh, fourth, right? No, I, I was, yeah. So that, wanna, wait, the first year player draft is the auction we're talking about, right? No, different. No, it's so different. We have, okay. like, that's what I thought. So that's like what I thought. major league players. So like, uh, anybody that's above their limits is, and not owned, isn't kept is available for auction. And then we okay. have a first year player draft before that. And you can't trade first year player draft picks. That's just simply to fill up your minor league slots. Gotcha. 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 Okay. That's interesting. I'd like, to, I'd love to end it. I'm not sure if I'm going to get him, but I'd love to sneak a guy like Brent Rooker in there. Uh, where my pick is depending. Just, I'm not you sure. See what happens. Yeah. You got to see what happens in that. Ralph, are we done here? I think we're done here. We rambled for a bit there. That was some, that was some casual banter there that I liked. It very was. Much. That, that's pretty much what happens to anyone who's listening still who stuck around for an hour and 40 minutes to listen to us. That's, that's what happens when me and Ralph stop the podcast. Generally, we talk for like 20 minutes. So <laughs> you just got that in the podcast. And we, we talked some Dynasty Baseball and Raz 30. So There you go. Um, Raz Ball yeah. Prospect Podcast. There we Ralph go, guys. Take care. Signing off. Take it Lance easy. signing off. Take it easy, everybody.
White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made them 100 years ago with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232.